Right, I'll see you back for the slow dance in uh, <laughs> 15 minutes. Um, welcome back. Just a couple of things. Um, books are for sale upstairs, and also, importantly, Bobby Baker's books alongside the Waterstones table. At the end of this um, session, uh, as you leave, you'll be handed some feedback cards, which are tiny and not big sheets, and require you to fill in, uh, say very little, in fact, um, other than how uh, marvellous we are. I'd like to um, welcome to the stage um, Melanie Pappenheim and Rebecca Askew, who you are all, interestingly, completely above anything anyone else has said, raving about <laughs> on our social media um, feeds. Um, and also Jocelyn Pook, um, who's a music composer for film, TV, theater, dance, and, clock and concert platforms. Um, I think last year won British Composer Award uh, of the Year for Akram Khan's Desh score, and has also composed for films such as uh, Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Um, on the surface of it, this is really straightforward. Air moves through a um, bit of soft tissue uh, and makes sound. Similarly, air enters another bit of soft tissue, shuffles around a few bones, and we hear it, yet so much rests on what we say and how it's said. Its ability to persuade and uh, influence, in fact, great events. And I'm just increasingly conscious, when I sit in a room with a patient, um, you know, if I were to read a text, it's a nice coherent paragraph, it all makes sense. But when I actually sit there and start listening, as I started to do, it's a bit like thinking about walking down the stairs. Suddenly you fall down them rather than just walking. And I listen and I realize that actually this is completely fractured, what I'm getting. It isn't some nice coherent paragraph, but there's asides and mutterings and uh, sometimes in fact going back on itself. And there's, there's an odd, bizarre musicality to it, which really struck me listening to your singing. Um, particularly the backward pieces and the bits where earlier on you were almost bouncing off each other. It's extraordinary what the voice does. Is that a really banal thing to say? Does that feel ridiculously obvious? Thoughts? <laughs> we, we're playing and um, that's, what, that's what we are very fortunate um, to be able to do in our professional lives. When we work both separately but when we work together we spend... Um, we work together most of our time playing and then shaping, shaping up what we like best into pieces. And likewise, I've always done that with Joss for, for too many years, 25 years now. Um, we get together and we play, we experiment, we uh, experiment with the voice and, um, and then shape it up and then practice a lot. <laughs> but, it is, but it is actually, I, um, I understand that it is actually there physiologically, that if you look at the structure of the larynx and the all the, the minute tissue, muscle fibre and things, it's if we were just designed to speak, it would be a lot more simple. <laughs> the mechanism would, would physically be more simple. But there's, there, there's a complexity there that actually makes song almost, or the sung sound, the more primal sound, the, the, the first sound rather than speech. 
that's, see, what's interesting to me is you saying you're playing, <clears throat> you saying it's actually built in, yet I'm pretty willing to bet, I may just be revealing my own fears here, that if I got everyone to put their hands up and say, who can sing in the audience, not many would go up. So much like Andrew Motion yesterday talking about fear of poetry, there is actually a fear of is it a fear of singing? People say, oh, I can't sing. I, you know, I love it. I love singing. I love jazz. I can't sing. That kind of comment it's, flows yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. I think that's, uh, it's very widespread. And we, we, we do a lot of um, work for all sorts of people, education work. I don't like to call it education work. We just go into places and play with people. And we're allowed to do that. And we get paid for it as well, occasionally. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and, and you always get that. People are so petrified, really, to open their mouths and... And sing. So we uh, we create structures um, very often based on theatre games, mm. and then we kind of sneak a bit of voice in, and we sneak a bit more voice in, and before you know it, people are using their voices in the most extraordinary ways. It's just allowing people to do that, um, and I think there's a problem. I mean, I think um, uh, recorded sound is problematic because we're all used to listening to perfect recordings yes. of classical music, pop music, everything, and now these days everything is manipulated which is wonderful in itself. You know, I enjoy uh, uh, all sorts of music that has very high production values, um, but it makes it very difficult for ordinary people just to, to sing and feel that that's, a, that's okay. And there's a real, I think the real beauty um, <clears throat> in, in vulnerability in the voice, and um, although I work with a lot of amazing trained singers like these guys and others, um, I love working with um, all sorts of different voices and I want listening to them as well. And in fact, my kind of Bible is this CD called uh, Voix du Monde, Voices of the World, which is kind of like, it's a collection of um, field recordings from all over the world. And it's just such an amazing example of all the, uh, you know, different things that are possible. It's so different, you know, what, I'm so wide ranging from the African tribal vocalizings to the hocketing, um, you know, to this, the, you know, I mean, the Persian yodeling. And is, and is, just there a common, is there a commonality there? If we look at human voice across the world, can we, can, are these incredibly diverse in what they uh, are saying and the ways in which they say it, or are there commonalities? Because listening to you two, I am hearing other languages, uh, or, or things that sound at uh, one moment, you know, Eastern European or African. Is, is there a commonality in the complex tones? Is that an obvious thing to ask? I, I, I can't sing, I don't know. <laughs> it's very, I think, I think um, singing to perform is very different from singing, playing, the sort of process of, of singing. And, and I mm. think, um, for instance, that hocketing, yes. which is the thing where we kind of sung into the back of each other's mouths, that's a yeah. semi-technique, and it's a, it's a game. They... They use that and cold winter nights and igloos, or did, um, to, as a way of entertainment, because there wasn't TV or iPods or whatever. And the whole point of that wasn't, I mean, it, it probably were other people watching and see how long you can keep that going for. And they keep it going for ages, and it always breaks down in, with people laughing, you know, mm. don't they? And there's fantastic recordings of that. And, and I, so I think that, that's brilliant. And I think standing on stage and singing, whether it be at Wigmore Hall, I mean, that's all wonderful, but yes. it, it does. It's a very, very pressurised environment, isn't it? And in a sense there, again, almost because, as you say, we're so used to perfect recordings, we've not got access to, in fact, the real vulnerability of each of our voices. And one of the, one of the sessions later on is going to be talking about the engaged voice, you know, how it is, in fact, we can empower ourselves to speak around some of the issues that are quite pertinent and important that we're being 
aired last night. And I just wonder whether some of the fear that we feel on singing or exposing ourselves in that way mirrors itself in some of the other fears about expressing things naturally, but importantly. So, so in a sense, recognising the facility with which we can sing and it's part of our voice is quite empowering, I imagine. Is it? Yes, very much so, yeah. I and mean, you have to be a little bit careful with it when you're working with people and trying to, you know, getting them to recover a voice. Um, you have to go quite carefully in with, what way? with people. Well, it's, very, it's very, very powerful. The voice is very, very powerful. And even as a singer, um, I mean, there are, uh, one example I spoke to your assistant last night about this. I, I remember once on my way home from very late night, I was on my way home from the train station. It was about 11 o'clock, and um, I was stopped... Uh, I was, you know, dark, it was in Highbury, <laughs> dark lane. Mm. I was stopped by this guy passed me, and then he um, uh, he stopped and called out to me, and um, I turned and he said, "Can I can I talk to you?" And he was a complete stranger, and it was eleven o'clock at night, and I wanted to go home. Mm. And I said, "Well, I'm, I don't think so." And, and then, but there was something about him that made me stop, and I, I said, "Well, what is it?" And um, and he said, "Well, can I just walk?" with you and, and talk to you. So right. we just walked back down into Islington. This is a long time ago before Islington looked like Bond Street. Um, <laughs> and um, anyway, he told me about some problems, domestic problems um, with his wife and his children and so on. And we talk, he, he talked and talked and talked and talked. We went to this really weird nightclub, which I passed loads and loads of times. We'd never go anywhere like that. <laughs> went upstairs to this club and he carried on talking, talking, talking. and. Um, probably for about an hour and a half or something like that. And then someone threw a, like a, um, a bomb, some sort of bomb, you know, like a tear gas thing mm. into, which apparently happens all the time, this, this place. <laughs> or did. This I was sort of stuck up in, in the top of this, you know, this one staircase. Everyone just, you know, dashed for the staircase. I held my nose. That was good, having some singing training. So I held my breath. <laughs> it took about five minutes to get out in one breath. Um, and then we got out into the street and there were loads of police cars and, you know, stuff going on. I gather it happens all the time. Anyway, so I, um, we were standing outside and I, I thought, right, I should go home now. And I didn't know how to extricate myself from the situation. And um, so I said to him, I'll, I'll sing you a song. <laughs> <laughs> so very quietly, I was literally this close up to him. I, I sang him this song, which I, I only realised when I was telling your assistant this. I, I, I could only think of a Todd Rundgren song which sounds very nice without the instruments, because not many songs sound nice on their own. So um, I sang this Todd, Todd Rundgren song, and, and it's called Pretending to Care, which is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> How Freudian is that? And, and it, what happened? And, uh, and, and that was it. I mean, he smiled, and I smiled, and then I went my way, and that, that was it. That was, that was it. That was the end of our 50 minutes. It <laughs> Uh, totally, uh, yeah. he can't. He just needed to. He just needed to talk, and then I, I didn't know what to say. I, I had no words. I didn't know what to say. I'm not Stephen Grant. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. So I just sang, and it calmed him, and and that was the perfect, perfect way of leaving him. I thought maybe he was furious. I didn't know. <laughs> what an extraordinary set of events. I live such a boring life. It's just amazing. think <laughs> maybe there should be a kind of practice of, of psycho. Analysts, where this, uh, the psychoanalyst sings to you. I don't know, you know. Maybe we may, we may come on and ask. <laughs> the psychotherapist, about that later. I mean. You don't want to, you don't want to sting us that song, do you, that you sang? Oh, in? No, no fine, okay. <laughs> I mean, Jocelyn, I'm just conscious that you're, amongst all your other work, it seems as though in many of the things you're, you're writing and producing, there is 
a particular fascination, in fact, with the human voice. Mm, yes. um, across a broad spectrum, really. And, uh, you know, I've heard some of your pieces that are almost, you know, musicality around answer phone messages, on the one hand, extending to um, some really poignant work on, on auditory hallucinations and, and voice hearing. What, yeah, you know, it's the same, same question, in a sense, I'm asking you. Um, what is it that's drawing you to that particularly as, as something that's a fascination? I mean, particularly, I was interested in the answer phone messages piece, which we might be able to hear in a bit. Mm. Why, why mm. that? Well, well um, there was a number of reasons. I mean, the, uh, I, I started, I just, uh, somebody left a message. It's the first message you'll hear, actually, of this, of this piece. Um, a friend of mine, and she, I, I kind of just noticed how she almost sounds like she's singing when she, she, she really does, you know, it sounds sung, um, as some people do, they've got more sing-songy voices. And, um, and I, I just um, started noticing my aunt's phone messages more. Also, there's this Persian singer that we work with, who's quite a character, and she, she likes to sing on the aunt's phone and then just say uh, her message, you know, but she often starts with a song, <laughs> which is, sometimes it's lovely and sometimes it's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> takes up a lot of space on the, well, it used What's to be in tape, you know, yeah. Um, anyway, you're in a hurry. But, um, and so I started, um, and I was doing this project for radio, and I, I, which was a completely uh, a different idea, but I started to get more and more interested in the messages, and, um, and, and, and it's just one of those things, it just kind of happened by accident. And what, what I really, I mean, when you hear the voice, it's like an auditory photo. It's, you, you know, anyone's voice. And I, I find that incredible that how could there be, you know, such a difference, you know, so many differences that, I mean, it it's, is like a photo. I mean, you, you immediately know somebody's nearly always, uh, after, certainly after a sentence exactly who yes. it is interesting and, and um, I don't know so I, I just got really more and more obsessed with the, the, the spoken voice and also the tunes in the voice and uh, and the answer phone messages as kind why those particularly anything well you know again there's this kind of um, I started to realize this is kind of uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for anyway the kind of narratives that hmm. going on in in daily life, you know, that, that um, everyone, well, you're, you're kind of here, and particularly in the little second little extract, um, I just started to get fascinated with it, all this, this rich tapestry of narratives, yes. you know, kind of flowing through our lives, you know. attached onto this brief message, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can we, can we or, hear or, it, well, maybe? Mixed which, messages, yeah. Which yeah. number is um, it? So, so, well, there's number three um, messages. Thank you. 
extraordinarily poignant. Are, are, is anyone there? I mean, which is exactly what my mum says. You know, I've, of course I'm not bloody there. Because the answer... <laughs> but actually, you know, most of the time I probably am. And I'm <laughs> just sneaking around. But it's really... That's a really powerful human and question. Also, when people say, um, well, the buys particularly, I find yes. poignant because also people usually are sort of singing and when they sign off, you know, they, yes. there's, there's often a kind of lilting and, and, and melody. And, and uh, yeah, I find that very poignant. It is, it is poignant. And, and I think, as, as you, you've both said to me, and I think Rebecca, we were saying, that actually isn't the extremes of voice in, which contain extraordinary things, but in fact, all the pedestrian stuff that we say to each other every day, which we just completely disregard or overlook or don't hear, that contains huge depths, both of sound, but also of content and meaning. Is that, is that something you feel, one, and also are in a sense doing in your singing? Um, yeah, that's, that's um, I suppose that's one of the things that we've done a lot of in our work, is it's, it's about observing <coughs> The sort of um, those those habits and and things the, the sort of thing that's actually outside of the actual meanings of the words. It's the sort of um, semantics of the sound, if you like, and and the thing that then makes it into something that's maybe musical or artistic is that you repeat it, <laughs> um, <laughs> like in the way that Roger Kneebone very beautifully did yes yesterday with you know just put your finger and feel the um, yes. <laughs> And then, and he said it quite a few times, didn't he? And so, and he he really drew attention to that. He noticed it, and 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 once you start noticing those things in other people and yourself, it's so quite fun. difficult to stop. <laughs> so you know, but it's it's also very good fun. Um, so I, yeah, I urge you to give it a go. <laughs> you know, notice when next time you're having a conversation with somebody, yeah, it's it is quite incredible how we use our voices and those extra. Those extra things we do outside of the words are full, are full of communication, full of intent, if you like. I mean, I don't know, you may well have um, <clears throat> kind of um, used or about to use many of your examples, but given that you're sitting next to each other and you have microphones within a couple of feet of you and completely putting you on the spot in a way that would terrify me, <laughs> is there a conversational piece at all that would reflect that now, just off the top of Absolutely promise you, we had no idea that I had, <laughs> that, that was going to happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's extraordinary because what you're, even if we didn't see all your expressions there, I mean, we're just hearing that, the, um, the dynamic would be apparent. Um, and so, you know, completely re replaced the, the language or the words with emotion um, that's palpable. If only we were to listen. And uh, are people, I mean, does it, I mean, it sounds as though you, in doing what you're doing now, find it's impossible to listen without grabbing these and turning them into music. But in a sense, we're not very good at listening, are we? Um, yeah, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I don't think we do. I don't think we enjoy listening enough. I think there's so much enjoyment to be had from listening and finding situations where we listen to each other. I think there's far too much of this, <laughs> you know, people listening to other people you know, on the stage, making sounds, you know. Um, I sing once a week, if I can, with uh, Brian Eno has a choir, yeah, said, yeah. Yeah, which he's been running for <clears throat> 10 or 12 years, um, which um, we don't perform. We just get, it's just people who get around a table and sing folk songs or gospel songs or bit of this, bit of that, 60s, old 60s hits, you know. And you don't, you just have words, you don't have any music. And you just sing, and actually, sometimes it's probably terrible, anybody coming in and listening <laughs> outside. It's probably a really bad choir in lots of ways. But what's brilliant about it is, is people's just sheer enjoyment of singing. And release. Total, yeah. And there are all sorts of people that do it. They're not singers. Mostly they're not, they're not professional singers. I'm one of the few professional singers in that group. Um, and uh, so for me it's occasionally a bit painful because we start a song and then within two bars it's dropped in pitch you know <laughs> so I've got to have to get over I've got over that you know um, and, uh, and but just watching and it's different people you know it's a pool of people but it's always a slightly different constellation of people uh, each week um, but it just um, people are you know they're very very uh, accomplished people highly professional people uh, sometimes they, they live abroad and they just happen to be passing through London, they'll come and sing on a Tuesday night, you know, and it's, it's just really wonderful. And I think they should be everywhere, these possibilities. I just wish that's what I would like to do, <laughs> if I ever have the opportunities to start these little sort of yes. um, choirs that, that people can just drop in. Because yes. most choirs you have to turn up, you get yes. music, you have to learn it, and it's a huge amount of pressure. And a lot of people, we don't, you know, people don't have much time these days, and it's very hard doing that. And it's also quite nerve wracking. And also working up to a performance, and then it's you know you feel quite deflated after mm. a concert, don't you? And it's more what's happening next. Mm. Whereas with this, it's sort of ongoing, and people use their voices, and they use their voices in extreme ways, and um, and and they're allowed because there's usually in his choir anyway. Um, there are sort of I don't know 12, 15 people there usually. Um, you can make mistakes, and you can really screw up, and it doesn't matter. The whole it's contained by this by this group. Was this? Do you know what I think we should do? We should have a choir that's attached to every GP surgery in the country. That's what I think we should do. You know. And so that you, you so your surgery isn't necessarily somewhere that you go and you feel ill. <laughs> when I go to my surgery, I I'm usually look around and think. God, everybody in here is so ill. <laughs> I don't, and I don't, and I feel a bit of a fraud because I don't, you know, I don't, don't feel as ill as that person looks. <laughs> yeah. But actually, it, it's, it, you know, the, the people just get a lot out of singing. It's, and it's a preventative. You could use it, use it as preventative medicine if you like, as well as. And it's, it's fascinating that you're all inferring that in this kind of pursuit of the idea of it being perfect, the perfect voice, that in fact we're losing our capacity to, you know, speak, sing, and indeed listen and. I was really interested in something that you said to me um, a few weeks ago, and Justin, you were saying about 
how, in fact, you've been called on even to be the lamenting voice at a funeral. Because, in fact, people don't, in Western cultures, have lost the freedom to be able to, to, to grieve or lament. Um, and similarly, Jocelyn, earlier, we were talking about how ecstatic voices get completely um, imprisoned. Um, I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it, that in England in the 21st century, we need to get Melanie Pappenheim to lament for us. Valuable, I'm sure. But how does that work out at the funerals? Was it funerals? Yeah, I sang yeah. at um, Joss's mother's funeral yes. and my own father's funeral, which I didn't think I was going to be able to do, but I, I did do it. And what purpose does that have then, the singing lament? It's a contain it contains people's Gr feelings and, and it's, yeah... Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a really, really hard thing to do. But, yes. Um, well, although I thought it was going to be for my father's, and then it's surprisingly liberating, actually, right. in a way. Um, and in fact, we're going to sing that that song later. Rebecca's going to sing it. Right. Um, Great. Um, <laughs> you didn't know Aren't that, you did you? No, right. <laughs> <coughs> Darling. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I, actually, on that note of ecstatic singing. Yeah. Um, no, one of the sort of highlights, if I highlights, um, for, for, for me, one of the highlights of someone asked me, what are the highlights of your career and low points? God. Uh, anyway, um, it, but I, I sort of thought about it. I thought, well, actually, what I really enjoy singing is when I sing with Rebecca and we, we, we hold a sort of semitone, clack, you know, sort of discord between us. And it's so, ex it's so exciting. It's so yes. thrilling doing that. You know, I could you spend... Can, you can feel the beat in the air. The, you, know, you can feel the sound waves going... Oh, with a semitone discord. Yeah, do you want to Steve? Yeah, I mean, obviously I know what a it's probably, It's not very nice for everybody. <laughs> Let's, these guys have no nice idea what that is. Yeah. But again, it's a nice thing for us to do, but it's probably not that... No, let's hear it. Sort of thing, and we'll be, in fact, we're doing another. We're doing two pieces later. We're doing the lamenting, the, the lamenting song, and we're doing some stuff that plays with that idea. But it's a fantastic physical yes. feeling. It's wonderful to do that, and um, I think we've spent more time doing that sort of thing rather than buying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the world would be a much better place. I think. <laughs> but, um, thanks to Joss, I've been allowed to do some. Serious ecstatic singing. And we've got some examples, um, I think. Have we? Is there some? Have we got something? Have we got a recording of something vaguely yeah. ecstatic? Um, ecstatic. Yeah, but I didn't put the one. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> well ecstatic. Okay. The, well, upon this rock was um, is, is quite a good example. But that's that starts off. Melanie is singing that. But that's there's another one which we didn't put on the list in the end. Which Melanie's very ecstatic, um, singing wise. But um, so this is just a vaguely cheerful is, one. Which one? Is, uh, this is um, upon this rock is um, number eight. Um, is number eight. Is is um, but I should just say it's um, it starts off. It's a, a fragment of a um, um, some Persian classical singing, which is um, something I just got quite obsessed with. Having heard Holger Sakai, he did a, a song called Persian Love, which in the seventies, so ahead of its time, it was he'd taken. Um, uh, found singing off, you know, world-bound radio and, mm. um, from Iran, a, mm. an Iranian station. Um, and it's this particular, we kind of did some research about it afterwards because I wanted to perform it live and I wanted to find a singer that would do that, 
um, Persian singer in London, um, which was hard. And we, <laughs> we found this guy who t teaches at SOAS, but he... Anyway, that's a long. That's another story. But but we learned a bit about, and it's it's this kind of um, technique called tahir, which is mm. like a yodeling kind of um, way of singing. Um, so it's. Uh, but then it, um, I found Parvin, who I couldn't. He wouldn't sing because he only sings what he his Persian his classical stuff. Um, so I found in order to do it live, I I, I found this singer that we work with a lot too. Was also on another on my answer for messages, um, who's. Um, she comes in after that, and then there's a kind of choral section. So it's, um, yep. it's mm. quite ecstatic, anyway. I mean, in terms of singing. <laughs> or not, maybe not for you. Can we hear? But Is for it? me. <laughs> Should we play it? Yeah, it's number yeah. eight. to Ishwar, so it's God, uh, from my brief understanding of Urdu, is in, in a increasingly secular world, what 
is this really, does this serve the purpose, does singing approximate to the purpose that prayer might have once held? Is it a sacred activity? I, I, mean, I don't know if any of you really, you look terrified by that question. But oh, is, it, is this... <laughs> it's time for lunch. No, uh, <laughs> is this a form of prayer? I think getting together and singing is like is what was attractive about a lot. If there's anything attractive about any religions, it's it's is that really, mm. is allowing people to do that. I think it's really important, mm. and um, um, and being and as I was saying before about singing ecstatically, I think we need to do that. It's an incredible release, you know, and rather than wait for you to have an argument with someone, yes. <laughs> they're all to come out then in some ugly contorted way. Yes. It's much better doing it regularly and getting it out of your system. And, and so these people, like Parvian, she's a wonderful, she's an Iranian folk singer. When we first met her, I was, you know, was my sort of rather English way, rather shocked by her personality. It was very early in the morning, she came around and there was something wrong with the recording equipment. So this guy, Harvey, that we were working with, sort of fiddling around. And she sat on this stool and she was going, I just, uh, uh, she was... Kind of, was she slightly tearful? She said, oh, um, she, she cried out, she sang, and then she just cried. <laughs> she sang, she sang, this is the yeah. first time we met her, you know? Yeah, she sang this and amazing she song. Just, she was crying because the, the song was so beautiful, you know. Oh, it was yes, a tri yeah. She's from a particular tribe in Iran, and they have a particular kind of um, um, repertoire of songs. And that's, that's, um, so, I, 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 yes, I'd said to her, have you not, you not sung that for a long time? She said, no, I sing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, hear that there's Parvin leaving a message. Yeah. Do you want to hear that? Yeah. Just while we're talking about Parvin, yeah. there might be. It's number um, four. Can you turn it up a little bit, please? It's probably a bit. Right. <laughs>
we're slightly emotionally constipated really in the West, aren't we? We just aren't free with this. And that, I think, is perhaps responsible for a multitude of ills. Can we have the lights up, please? We have time for a uh, few questions. Uh, just down here on the left, Annie. It's, I could say about 10 things, but I'll keep it to two. Um, for those who haven't gone and joined a community choir, even if you can't sing brilliantly, I urge you to go because you get this amazing adrenaline high. I mean, I've never taken drugs or anything, but you, fit, you come back and you can iron for England and you can do the window. It's just an amazing high from singing as a group together. And I don't know if that's the sort of thing you get on a Tuesday night. Um, I wanted to ask a question. I don't know if it's the right place. How come some people can whistle brilliantly but feel they can't sing? Is there something different about whistling as opposed to singing? Just a question. I don't know if anyone can answer it or not. Great. We love whistling. <laughs> oh, go on, give us a quick... Have you got a quick whistle that you could do? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I, that's it's my cue to go. It's always the next piece. The next piece is always going to be oh, whistling. That's it. <laughs> Whistling's very hard to do. In do you mean when they go... Rather than the whistle? I don't know. I think it's, it's, quite removed. it's much more removed to whistle. Mm. And it's, you, know, the, 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 you have to have good breathing technique to be able to whistle well. You mean emotionally removed? Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah maybe. Oh. Um. Yeah, it's often defensive, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, quite angry. I wonder what's the... Yeah. <laughs> An angry whistle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite good at those. Just intrigued. <laughs> um, there was someone had a microsco uh, microscope. <laughs> a microphone upstairs. Yes. Uh, go. I can't see you very well. Sorry. Hello. Is it on? Yeah. Yes. Um, just as a mother of teenage children, it was just an observation that was really striking during those hearing the answer phone messages. Is do you think as a generation coming through, we're going to lose a lot of that spoken and the non-verbal non communications because they all communicate by text all the time. They very rarely actually speak to each other. I think they do speak to each other. We just... <laughs> just not when we're, we're around. Yeah. And I am missing the answer phone messages because no, you don't get them any, so many anymore. In fact, they're mainly just from... Um, PPI and you know these <laughs> and, and you know the yes. automatic voices you know so I'm, I'm missing because uh, we don't get so many messages anymore text saying are you there it's not the same no yeah. any others there's a question down here on the oh sorry is there one over there as well both thank you you first, Brenda. Um, I'm, I'm a poet and I love the combination of words and music that you get in songs. And I've noticed that most of what you've done for us, the, the words have been incidental. Um, is there a reason for this? Do you, do you find they get in the way of what you're trying to say or, or, or what? Well, we haven't talked much about back, backward singing, but mm. you were going to play something. We were going to, yeah. Because um, I think a lot of the time... Well, the words they're so weighted, you know, and and, and I've been I've particularly been drawn to, and we um, non 
pieces, no, yeah, yeah. Non, non, non-verbal, but non-wordy. Yeah, um, uh, or the words are hidden somehow, like this one piece where... Well, I got into backwards singing because we did this show many, many years ago called <coughs> A Man, A Plan, A Canal, Panama, which was partly about palindromes, amongst other things. And um, got obsessed with the whole thing of, you know, and the whole show was a palindrome in many <laughs> different ways. And, and at one point there was this song about the building of the yellow fe- of the Panama Canal, Panama yeah. Canal yeah. and yellow fever, actually. Um, and, um, I mean, you could quickly just sing that song. And then, and then I played with reversing it, and um, it became this whole new land, you know, the landscape and the whole new... And also, like, two for the price of one, you know, I only have to write one song and I can't... <laughs> um, and I've done so many pieces now where I've, I've, I've used reverse vocals. I mean, sometimes it's just accidental, you know, and, and sometimes I've, I've, um, I've deliberately sort of... Um, well, I've, I've, I, I, I've kind of written a forwards thing that I wanted to... So that I've worked it out more mathematically, but, but often it's just stumbling upon just trying something and... Because it used to be like on a reel-to-reel tape. I used to try it with me singing and then turn the tape round and see what happened, you know, and, and just play it. Now it's more instant and it's, it felt more of a ritual. But, Should we um, hear that? Yeah, I mean, I think the quality of the, um, the human voice without words is really, really powerful. Um, and that's what we spent a long time experimenting with these sounds. So that backwards carol came out of um, my experiments with Joss. Um, so the words for you are potentially redundant, whereas they're everything... Or not redundant, but don't necessarily have. Yeah. It's a different thing. Different sounds. Yeah. Playing with playing with sounds and it enables you to stretch melodies and and rhythm and to go in, in quite different different ways and and I think it was that which um, apparently Stanley Kubrick heard a choreographer um, who was using some of Jocelyn's backwards music in, yeah, a, in a workshop in a, yeah. for eyes wide shut yeah that he heard that and and since then uh, um, Martin Scorsese used a backwards piece yeah, as, yeah, right. piece as well because yeah, yeah. uh, often it doesn't get in the it doesn't get in the way but you, you know if you use <clears throat> and, and and film I do quite a lot of singing on film mm. and quite often a director will want a or a composer and director will want a um, a human voice in the texture. But um, but they don't they don't want the words they don't want anything yeah, mm. too loaded. On the last show I did with Akram, mm. it's my it's um there's a song that the setting this Cymbeline poem from mm. Shakespeare's I mean um, the poem from Cymbeline and um, fear no more and um, and Akram just couldn't you know the words were so intrusive in the end he asked for it to be in Russian. So I sang it in Russian. <laughs> did you? Yeah, we found a guy who helped us in the, from my local cafe. <laughs> sang it in Russian. But we, so there's a Russian. Might as well have been now. backwards, really. Probably <laughs> backwards Russian. I've sung backwards but, German, backwards Latin. It's all really yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's just playing, playing with sounds. Sound. But what you get is the you get an emotional quality, and you get it. It dictates um, phrasing, which you couldn't really invent. I, t- mm, I think as a composer, mm, mm. Um, so you, you've got you've got something already to work with. But that phrasing that it dictates is almost biological. It's there. You're discovering it rather than making it. Uh, no, I, I you know I so I, so jo- I, I'll sing something forwards, but Joss will reverse it, and then I hear it, and I have to learn it. You know, I have to learn it. I learn it the backwards. It's when we forwards. and when we started doing it live, because because it used to just be the backwards stuff was always recorded, you know, and it was about that quality. It's so particular, and and strange, and um, but then we wanted to do it live, so that's when Melanie started to learn having, how having to, to learn it, and that's why she's got this um, unusual technique of backwards singing. <laughs> right, let's let's hear it. 
But, you know, because otherwise you'll just end up singing oohs and ahs and on, on yes. soundtracks, yeah, which yeah. is quite dull, really. Yes. And you, you very quickly run out of material. So, I mean, there's one piece. I don't know if we've got time. Yes, we have. Yeah. Butterfly. butterfly, yeah, maybe that's a good... Um, that's number um, six. Did you want to sing first or Butterfly? Yeah. Oh, right, OK. I think, but, yeah, I think... <laughs> butterfly, then, number six. Concealed um, text. It was a poem by James the First. Okay. Is it called Garden Elegy? Yeah, I mean, I called it I'm, uh, Garden. Well, we called it Garden Elegy, but that's. Powerful, yeah. a ta- I can't remember the. Anyway, it's a poem he wrote about, about a garden. garden and and he was in prison tower. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I know that it's about that. Yeah. And it was for, there was a particular reason for, for the context of why I did that. But, yeah. And when you do sing something backwards, are you constantly? Have, I mean, you've learnt it backwards, or are you actually? hearing it forwards and then translating it as you're singing it. Oh, you learn it. You learn it backwards, you have to learn completely. The, yeah. Yeah. In the same like way that singing language. yesterday, us singing the Hebrew yes. and the Arabic, we yes. had to learn it. The sound, it's a similar yeah. process, really. But you get to take breaths, allowed to take breaths in funny places. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Crescendo at the ends of phrases as opposed to, uh, you know, getting quieter at the ends of phrases. So you, you're allowed to do a lot of unorthodox things because there are so many rules in singing, apparently. Um, so I, I get, put, you know, I have been allowed to. We have been allowed to just break down some of those unhelpful rules that stop people singing. I think um, doing unorthodox things and breaking down unhelpful rules is probably the right place to stop now. And um, please, can I have a big round of applause for. Everybody?